I love going to the big club in Neom to go make friends with a guy who can like legally kill me at the slam show yeah. in the smoking area. Awesome. Yeah. So good. And there are some bigger actors, like, I mean, sorry, not actors, uh, artists, um, and within especially business techno, who really seem like uh, they don't really, they're not that connected to that, the politics of electronic music. And in fact, they kind of like disdain the politics of, um, they've, they view it with contempt uh, because a lot of them have been canceled so many years, so many times um, by right. people who are more politically engaged. Uh, you know, Amelie Lenz, uh, Charlotte DeWitt. These are Nina Kravitz as Nina well. Kravitz. Oh, I mean, when too, Nina Kravitz yeah. was canceled, actually, it was my agency that really like went in on her uh, with the cornrows thing, you know, and uh, a lot of um, these people. This is why I'm kind of like, like, I've never really talked about this, like openly um, in a recorded thing, but uh, I'm just going to say it. I feel like the canceling just kind of has adverse uh, effects um, in terms of getting people to see or be sympathetic to our viewpoint because all these artists, they get canceled and then they just like the more they get canceled, they let the less that they even care to um, pay like attitudes or lip service. I mean, which is really meaningless, but they don't even try to like pretend like they give a fuck about, you know, the safety of people. Amelie Lenz is really well known for being a really loud vegan. And yet she was one of the most um, uh, frequently booked Playgrave DJs during the last year and a half. And right. But we should define what a Playgrave is as well, I think, for the uh, for the viewers. For the, the viewers, uninitiated. Because yeah. it's a phrase we've been throwing around yeah. quite a bit. I mean, yeah, how would you define Playgrave? A Playgrave is, um, it could be legally sanctioned. It doesn't have to be illegal, first of all, because uh, what we've seen during COVID is that we can't always rely on the government to have policy that is best for the safety of its citizens, right? And so a playgrave to me is a rave that is generally indoors for the most part. Some of them can be outdoors, way oversold uh, and occurring during a time when the numbers are extremely high in that local area. Uh, and for whatever reason, the policies just haven't been changed as like or to reflect that. And DJs take the opportunity to sort of uh, get bookings um, in places that are ex like currently experiencing kind of like um, a peak or like a wave and they just play the show anyway. And, uh, and it's not where they live, you know, they have to travel mm -hmm. to go there. Uh, yeah. And frequently, a lot of the times the plague waves are occurring in countries that are not white. Although uh, I saw just as many that happened in Eastern Europe. I felt like a lot of, I yeah. was going to say, I did, I'm not going to name names, but I did get uh, some offers during the height of the pandemic to play in uh, Ukraine. Yeah, and, well, um, Ukraine is a big and, problem, to be honest. They don't give a fuck about, uh, <laughs> so the Ukraine I saw a few times. Con continuing our uh, our theme on this podcast. Pro problematic Ukraine. <laughs> Are you saying that Christia Freeland played a plague brain <laughs> while having insensitive hair? God damn. <laughs> um, and also places like, uh, I know for a while there was like stuff happening in like, um, 
like Morocco and Mexico. That was a huge thing. DJs playing in Tulum uh, when they were experienced a massive wave. Tulum in general, uh, just to butt in, but Tulum in general, like it was plague raves and it's become Tulum's become this uh, destination place for like wellness Instagram hippies, basically like uh, Silicon Valley hippies. And yeah, just watching watching that unfold uh was sickening i thought you know it was really gross and like what disturbed me during this is like even people that i knew personally played in tulum people who before covid this is the hypocrisy really this is of so much of dance music is that we've been on course much earlier than mainstream culture uh in um sort of presenting ourselves as being like uh, a progressive space and trying to tap into that conscious capitalism like thing within our audience a lot earlier than mainstream culture. This has been happening since 2014, 2015, when all the discussions about like, uh, you know, gender inequality first started happening. And these conversations are valid. There's, I, I just want to put that out. Like, I'm not saying that any of this is not genuine or like, I think a lot of people genuinely want to change the industry because the industry is really broken and it's very like, it does not reflect the values of what it was when it started. Right. And I think there needs to be changes being made, but because so much, so much of this conversation or all of it exists within the paradigm of capitalism it eventually reaches a point where people who didn't really give a fuck about this uh are pretending to be like they care and selling themselves as like where like their entire career is based on them being like i'm pro women pro safe spaces you know a lot of promoters really were not doing well i have seen observed in various cities a lot of promoters uh, were thought of in their local cities as being, you know, a party for bros, that they're not inclusive. And then 2016 hit and it's like, we care about women now. And like, yes, techno feminism mm-hmm. and like all this other stuff and safer spaces. But you can tell how many of them are genuine and how many of them are just trying to make a buck based on how they dealt with COVID, in my opinion. Because like, I saw people that really tried to sell themselves as being like, safe space but they don't have any COVID policy and to me and they're just throwing playgraves or they're playing playgraves and you know there's no excuse for that to me that is directly in contradiction to safer spaces safer spaces is not just about freedom from being grabbed it's like safety like harm reduction you know like I threw raves so many years. We ran Safer Spaces crews at all of our parties. It was not just about like, I mean, harassment is huge, but it's so much more than that. It's like, you know, making sure that people are hydrated, taking care of people when they're like fucked up. And, you know, that's the other thing is like, there's no excuse for how the industry itself, a lot of these nightclubs treat people who are, really fucked up on drugs they just discard them or kick them out of the club which really puts them in more danger or worse yeah, you know or worse yeah or worse yeah. I, I was gonna i was gonna say like covid in entertainment uh like entertainment industry dealing with the catastrophic impact of covid really became 
like you're saying, Cindy, like it became a litmus test for personal commitment to a collective action. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, uh, when when COVID started, uh, my band had, you know, we had a six week European tour booked uh, that was, you know, paid for. We had crew, we had things secured and we canceled it, not just because uh, we were afraid of getting sick. We canceled it as like a collective responsibility to not spread a deadly virus around Europe. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and the reaction from our management and from the different people that we worked with was very interesting. It was mostly um, supportive because this was fairly early on. This was March 2000 and when? God, March 2019. 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. 20. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. 20. Time is, seems to have meaning. But, um, <laughs> but the reaction from some other people, like, for instance, you know, uh, vendors who were taking care of backline we're like sending emails calling us pussies for not going on tour. Oh and it, I feel like it really, really separated, uh, you know, just on a basic political level, who was, who was just innately ready to do something co- for the collective good and who wasn't. Well, I, what it go, I think what, what it sort of comes down to, and I think it's one of the things that we sort of been talking around is that dance, mu- dance music has a really hard time sorting out where it's a culture and where it's a commodity Mm -hmm. and the commodity form of dance music has a real vested interest in disguising itself as a culture right 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 it wants to have its cake and eat it too and that's the problem is that it wants to be seen as like you know a leftist progressive kind of thing but while doing things like working with saudi arabia or like um, and so it it just feels really shallow, you know, like especially in more commercialized area, like in areas where dance music is really, really popular. You can't separate the commerce from the the culture. You know, it's all kind of yeah. like linked. Um, I'm making a hand signal where my my fingers are interlinked with each other. Uh, it's it's meshed together. Yeah, you it's, could say it's, it's yeah. intersectional. Yeah, it's actually woven together. It's like not even li- it's like mm. it's part and parcel of the same thing. And people need to like be honest with themselves about it because what I'm finding is there's a lot of dishonesty. There's a lot of um sort of uh this vague like um how do I describe it without making more enemies than I already do in this industry? 